Hello from the newsroom of the Financial Times in London. I'm Suzanne Blumpson. The merger between Germany's biggest banks, Deutsche Bank and Commerce Bank, is off. Patrick Jenkins discusses why the talks collapsed and where next for Germany's troubled banking sector with Olaf Storbeck in Frankfurt and Isabel Schnabel, economics professor at Bonn University. Olaf, you've been watching this story very closely for some time. What exactly happened? What went wrong? The main reason for the collapse of the talk was that Deutsche Bank and to some degree Commerce Bank came to the conclusion that the expected returns of a deal weren't really matching the capital needs they had to basically fund the execution costs. So people familiar with the numbers tell me that the banks came to the conclusion they had to raise between 6 and 8 billion euros of additional capital, while even after spotless execution of the integration, they could only plausibly expect a rate of return on equity relatively significantly below 10%, which is basically the threshold to earn the cost of capital to basically match the costs of running your business. And that was kind of the point where initially Christian Seving, Deutsche CEO, and also the other side basically concluded that the risks especially if you factor in potential problems to execution, the potential risks of an economic downturn, just were not in a fair balance to what could be gained from such a merger. And many of Deutsche Bank's large shareholders were sceptical right from the start about the merits of a deal. It had been a tough sell to shareholders and to supervisory board members from the capital side. And with unions and worker representatives on the supervisory board kind of unanimously rejecting the deal, it might have also been difficult to actually get a majority in the supervisory board. Yes, they were certainly fighting an uphill battle. Let me bring in an external view on this. Professor Isabel Schnabel, Professor of Economics at the University of Bonn, Would you agree with Olaf's assessment that this deal was basically dead in the water? It never made any sense? Yes, I was one of the people who said from the very beginning that this merger was a very bad idea. I mean, it's clear that there could potentially be certain cost savings, but it was also clear that they would be related to the closure of branches and also to layoffs. And the resistance of the trade unions that we've seen could have been expected. And at the same time, I was arguing that such a merger would create a national champion, a bank that would have been far too big and too systemic to be allowed to fail with substantial risks for financial stability. It's pretty incredible then on both of those counts that the government seemed to have been so keen on this deal, whether they were the actual driving force or whether they were just a facilitating party. But they certainly weren't trying to block it. And yet this was an SPD finance ministry that was countenancing the idea of 20 to 30,000 job cuts, as well as creating something that would be even more systemic than the institution, i.e. Deutsche Bank, that people are so worried about being too systemic. Exactly. So I think this has to be seen in the context of the more general political debate in Germany, which has kind of rediscovered the concept of national champions, not only in banking, but also in industry. And it seems that the politicians were kind of dreaming of creating a big national banking champions. Maybe they were also influenced by their French neighbors, which have several of them. 
And then, of course, there's also the argument that the German industry needs a bank that can accompany the global German companies abroad. I never really understood what that is supposed to mean, because I would say that this can just as well be done by, let's say, a French or an Italian bank. Yeah, or indeed by Deutsche Bank in its current form. Of course, that's also true. But of course, we have to see that the German banking sector is in trouble. And I mean, we have to be aware of that. And I think the end of the merger talks is good news, but it doesn't solve the problems that are there. Well, that was going to be my final question for you. What does happen now? Because Deutsche's problem, i.e. concerns about its longest term stability, remain. And so does the question of what happens to Commerzbank. Not many people think it'll remain independent. And of course, for a government that seems keen on national champions, the prospect now is that Commerzbank could be acquired by an Italian like Unicredit or a Dutch entity like ING or indeed a French bank. Yes. So, I mean, it's clear that both banks have a, a profitability issue. The costs are too high. The revenues are too low. So both have to rethink their general strategy. Of course, this has already been done in the past. I would say for Deutsche Bank, a merger is not an option. I think the bank is already too big and too complex. And therefore, I don't think it should merge with another bank. For Commerzbank, the situation is a bit different and it could well be that the bank could find some strength by merging with another European competitor. I'm not so sure whether Unicredit is a good choice, given that Commerzbank has a pretty large exposure to Italian government bonds. And of course, Unicredit has the same. So I'm not so sure whether that would be the perfect choice. Olaf, just to bring you back in on the government motivation, what's your observation there? Yeah, I think we have to tell apart two things. One is the public rhetoric of the government. And the other thing is the real concern which basically triggered the attention by the government and also by regulators. And so people in background conversation who are part of the inner circle of policy making, several of them independently of each other, told me that the real motivation was basically a fear by policy makers that Deutsche, after the raid by Frankfurt prosecutors in late November, which sent Deutsche's share price to historic lows, also increased their funding costs significantly and also led to doubt among clients and counterparties about Deutsche's medium to long-term viability, that Deutsche could be stuck in a downward spiral of a low share price, high funding costs, falling revenues. And one person close to these policymakers told me well, they were reminded of the situation Deutsche was in in October 2016 when there were these rumors circulating that they might have to pay a $14 billion fine to the Department of Justice. And at that point, this person told me Deutsche's share price was at 15 euros. Now we are in a similar situation and Deutsche's share price is at 7 euros, which limits the ability to raise additional capital if needed even more. So they came to the conclusion they definitely have to evaluate the options to overcome the situation. And the domestic merger was one of the most obvious and plausible escape routes. So the government and to some degree maybe also the regulators implored Deutsche to really properly evaluate the option. And my understanding is that the outcome wasn't predetermined by the government. And you can see this in the reaction of the banks who walked away eventually. One person made the interesting point, if the finance minister really had wanted the deal, 
he could have pulled on several levers to make it possible and to make it more attractive for the lenders. And the government decided against doing that, which tells you that they weren't willing to use tough pressure to really push the deal over the line or even hard pressure in terms of forcing the banks into a deal that the actual actors didn't want. Nonetheless, the situation at Deutsche is clearly unresolved, so something else will have to happen and we'll see what that might be. In the meantime, Olaf and Professor Schnabel, thank you so much for joining us. That was FT Financial Editor Patrick Jenkins talking to Olaf Storbeck, Frankfurt Banking Correspondent, and Isabel Schnabel, Economics Professor at Bonn University. This is a segment from our Banking Weekly Podcast, which comes out on a Tuesday and which you can find at ft.com slash podcasts and on all the usual podcast platforms. Thanks for listening. Remember, if you're not already a subscriber and would like to discover more FT content, you can find our latest subscription offers at ft.com slash offer. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com.